Hello, everyone, and welcome to Optimize Your Life, where we share stories on overcoming lifestyle challenges. My name is Dr. Darsh, and I have an incredible passion for personal development and optimizing lifestyle and mindset. The purpose of this podcast is to help you strategize ways to optimize your life to increase wealth, health, love, and happiness. Now, let's get started. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for thanks for coming on here. And uh, for, I really want to apologize. I know you reached out to me about a month ago. I've had a crazy busy schedule starting residency. Uh, this is definitely a topic, you know, I really want to touch on. I'm not too, too um, with it, you know, in the sense that I've never really yeah. delved into this kind of topic. Um, I've heard a lot about it. You know, there's obviously influencers out there who kind of talk about it. But I'm so, so excited to have you on here so that we can really go ahead and just go full dive into this. So thank you so much for coming on here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm really excited. I'm sitting outside in the sun, which is really nice. Where, where are you based? So I'm in, I'm in Harrisburg right now. So I'm uh, originally from Philadelphia, but right now I'm in Harrisburg. Uh, I got my okay. residency here uh, as well. So, yep. Oh, nice. Absolutely. Cool. So the way I kind of like to do this is uh, we'll just go and talk for however long it really takes, you know, 35, 40 minutes to an hour maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And then if any of the viewers have questions uh, through the Instagram comments, they can go ahead and uh, ask them. And then with like the remaining five, 10 minutes we have, we can definitely answer some questions. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So the first question I like to ask all my guests is who is Bobby Sundu at his core? Yeah. Okay. And it's interesting because I never really had this convers- uh, this um, question before, but I think right. in terms of me at my core, I think as a person, uh, I am just trying to, I guess, fight for a lot of men who don't necessarily speak up on a day-to-day basis about topics that affect us every day. Um, so I think at my core, it's just fighting for change, whether that be small change or big change. Um, it's just really about trying to speak up about what's right and what isn't necessarily spoken about because it's a taboo topic so yeah at my core just trying to do what i can to shift the kind of traditional opinions of men mainly but again that kind of loops in women as well absolutely yeah no i think that's i think that's super important i think that's something we all should strive to really do is change the conversation you know things that we've grown up with and that's kind of stuck in our heads is how do we go and change that stigma how can we start that conversation and how can we influence the minds of others? So I love that. Um, all right, so tell me about your journey. So this is a topic, again, that I'm not familiar with that much. Um, yeah. I've always thought about it. I've always, you know, me and my brother were actually just speaking earlier about, oh, his kids and how he's changing the relationship with his kids and what kind of what yeah. we went with our father and mother. Um, so it's something I've always th- thought about, but I don't know if it's something I just didn't really accept. So yeah. kind of take it through you know, your childhood to now and kind of where these ideas of yours came from. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess uh, in terms of toxic masculinity and manhood, the reason why I'm kind of focusing on it a lot at the moment is because growing up as a child, you are um, ingrained to think a certain way because obviously you're really impressionable at that age and you really just kind of take on what your parents teach you. So what your teacher, what your parents teach you is almost binding and you live by that. And I think growing up, like I was really fortunate enough to have a childhood where I was encouraged to express my emotions and be emotional and not fear what other people thought. But at the same time, as I kind of grew older, there were still limits to how much you could feel or how much you could, you know, speak out and how much you could like certain things. And I think especially growing up in a South Asian community, there's always that 
a kind of thing attached to everything that you do about what people will think or what people will say. And so in terms of my childhood and growing up, it, I'm lucky enough to be able to look back and be fortunate for being encouraged to think outside the box and be unique and true to myself. But as I grew up, I quickly noticed that so many men are worried to feel um, so many men are worried to show emotion and ask for help. So it's something that's really bothered me because it's really difficult to maintain and sustain relationships with men in your life when they are mm. holding back a big portion of their life. Um, so toxic masculinity, I guess, as I've grown older, the actual term of it and has kind of made more sense as I've done more reading about it and spoken to other men and women about it. And so now I'm kind of sat here trying to do as much as I can to shift that narrative of men aren't able to feel and men shouldn't be speaking out about things that are important to them. And that's normally left down to women. So I think seeing the pressures that men face on a day-to-day -day basis, and that's not to say that women don't face certain pressures, but the pressures specifically that men face are really kind of killing men, which is why the suicide, suicide rates are so high and men are less likely to ask for help. So I think really it's, I'm just trying to do my bit, I guess, to try and, you know, allow men to speak up and feel comfortable owning their emotions. Absolutely. So can you, can you give us some examples of that language that men might use or how, like, what is it that's toxic about the, about the ideas that you bring up? Yeah, absolutely. So, I have to just kind of, um, sorry, I have to just kind of reiterate that I'm, masculinity will always be there, so will femininity, but really it's more about how you being able to define it yourself instead of other people defining it for you. So when we talk about toxic masculinity, it's more about these ideals that have been created um, from generations and generations before us where men are encouraged to be dominant and aggressive, violent, they're also encouraged to be promiscuous and lead any kind of situation that they can. And when you're instilled that from an early age, what that means is then those toxic behaviors of extreme risk-taking, dominating others, um, you know, misogyny, those kind of things come into play. So it starts from, when you ask for examples, it starts from just being young when, you know, your parents or uh, people around you who have a big influence on you are saying to you, you know, man up, stop crying, stop being a girl. And right. those kind of things are just um, perpetuating the idea that, uh, you know, women are inferior to men and describing, describing a man as a girl is essentially saying that girls are inferior. So it's creating a really toxic environment where men feel a certain way towards women, but at the same time, men also feel that women should be the ones who are feeling and uh, acting in a certain way, but men need to protect themselves at all costs. So those are some of the ideas, um, I get no sorry, examples of how that occurs. And that occurs, you know, throughout your whole life, because growing up, you're thinking that certain way. And then, you know, you go to university, and it's all about talking to as many girls as you can and sleeping with as many girls as you can. And those kind of things are toxic, because you're ingrained that you men are better than women. So it happens on a day to day basis, even now, when you know, you go to work, you could speak to so many women who feel that men are always dominant, and women feel inferior. So Examples, you know, I could go on all day long, but and I think something that you said, which was interesting, which uh, you know, you said you not you're not too familiar with toxic masculinity. I guess it's because sometimes it's a case of 
not really realizing that it's happening um, because it's there, to, you know, in front of you. Like if you were to see naturally, if you were to see a man crying on the street compared to a woman, you would probably notice the man crying more because men traditionally don't cry. Um, right. So it's those kind of day-to-day examples that, you know, manifest and then it makes a man feel that they can't do certain things. Absolutely, yeah. It's funny that you say that. So my thoughts here are kind of, it's a, it's a dual effect, right? So it doesn't only affect the external way that we view women and we view culture in the workplace or at home or wherever, but also internally and how men view that, hey, I shouldn't be crying. I shouldn't be able to do this. I shouldn't feel that emotion. So it kind of is this vicious cycle where the external and the internal are kind of just out of flux, but they affect one another. And then the other thing you just got mm-hmm. me thinking is like, if I were to walk on the street and I see a couple in an in a argument and the girl is crying, but the man isn't, to me, that would be almost normal, right? That's like our schema. Yeah. But then if yeah. it were reversed, the man is crying, then you're saying, okay, wait, something's up with this situation. Yeah. So it's funny how we're programmed at a young age, like you said. A hundred percent. And it is just so toxic. Like I've been uh, having so many conversations recently since I started this platform to uh, kind of shift that narrative. And the conversations I've had with, you know, certain men, uh, you know, the conclusion that I kind of got from the conversations we're having is that men just are really struggling to show their emotions because men are just like women. We have emotions, we feel, we're emotional, we cry. But what's stopping us from doing that is the fact that for so many years we've been taught that we shouldn't be doing that and that we should be providing and that we should be leading by example. So when that pressure is put on you as a man, it really prevents you from living your life on a day-to-day basis the way you want to live it because there's so many blockers there you you are struggling to show your emotions and we've almost lost uh connection to be in touch with those emotions yeah now have you have you read um lewis howe's the mask of masculinity Mm-mm, no 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 okay so th- so when you reached out to me that's kind of the first thing i thought about because I, I didn't know about this idea until kind of lewis howe's and some other like a thing about three or four other men kind of just did, like a round table talk about yeah exact topic and how you know lewis howes he's a he's a big influencer um he's got the school of greatness podcast with like over 40 million like viewers or something so he's a big time name and when he Mm -hmm. wrote his first book he still like even though he was at the pinnacle of success he still felt this lost connection with the world around him and he attributes it a lot to this toxic masculinity because he was raped at five years old he felt like he could never talk about it because as a man, you know, he would feel, oh, I'm, I'm worth less than who I am because of this story. He became a two-time, like, or he became an athlete, two-time All-American, went on to play football, very successful handball. And so he kind of masked all these things with different personalities. And in the book, he kind of goes on talking about how there's nine different masks that we wear. And you kind of touched on some of them. So as a college person going around seeing how many people you can sleep with, that would be like the sexual mask, right? Men are supposed to be this kind of sexual mm. appeal, go out, find women, uh, don't be in love for too long, move on. Then there's, that, there's the athlete mask where we believe that we have to be in the gym all day, have muscle, show this, and that's going to show our self-worth. Then there's the money mask where we think everything tied to us is about wealth and showing that off to women. So those are only three. There's a multitude of different masks. But yeah. have you found yourself wearing any of these masks kind of growing up? Yeah, definitely. I think in terms of, um, obviously, I don't know all of them, but if I was to kind of attribute it to certain aspects of how I should be living, it was, um, you know, growing up, 
trying to hide my emotions because looking around at the people who were surrounded by me, they weren't <laughs> as, ex as expressive with their emotions as I was. So I really felt singled out in terms of, am I the only one who is, you know, incredibly emotional? Am I the only one who is voicing their feelings? So in terms of that mask, yes. And then going to university, 100%, like you feel that pressure of, other men who are talking about all the people that they are meeting and interacting with at university um, on, on not on a platonic level. So I definitely felt that pressure because you do feel like you need to fit in with them. So you need to do whatever you can to make sure you fit in. Um, and so I think throughout my whole life, up until the last few years where I guess I have a lot more autonomy and I'm more mature to be able to, you know, analyze my thoughts, I did feel like I had to act a certain way, which is why I struggled to make a lot of male friends because mm. I wasn't really following what they were doing. And I think when you don't follow what they're doing, you almost are singled out. Right. And I, it's, it's funny because I think I'm, I, was, I was the same way when I grew up. Um, I made friends with women a lot more easily than I did with men. Um, mm. And I was a very emotional, emotional child growing up. I remember, and I was always an athlete. So I always, yeah. I guess, I had that athlete mask on a lot of times. And for me, I remember so vividly in like fifth grade, I was playing baseball and I had a horrible game. I struck out four times, um, you know, and, and my dad was kind of just upset, disappointed. He had a lot of pride in his son. So he's kind of, you know, kind of comes up to me as we walk to the car and he's like, what, Dirk, what kind of game, like, what did you, what happened? What kind <laughs> of game is that? And immediately I just remember like tearing up because I was, I was ashamed. And I remember him seeing me and him saying, why are you crying? And I immediately said, no, 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 it's the sun in my face, um, you know, and just trying to hide that emotion. I look yeah. back and I just think about how silly it is. But at the same time, when you're so young, it's kind of just the culture we're brought up in. Mm. So do you think like South Asian culture and this talk about masculinity is different or, you know, the same compared to other cultures like here in the U.S.? Yeah, um, good question. I think you know, I can only speak from experience of growing up as a South Asian man. So, and, and speaking to other South Asian men, I definitely think that there is a huge reinforcement that men need to provide and men need to almost, you know, have everything put together because they need to provide for their wives and their family and their children. I think also growing up as a South Asian man, your parents, uh, you know, for generations have been taught a certain thing that men go out to work and women stay at home and women are the ones who stay in the kitchen and they're the ones who should be cleaning and cooking and raising their children. And I have had that growing up, despite my parents being really liberal and open, that's all they've ever known. So I do think that in any kind of minority ethnic backgrounds, I think it is very prevalent that the male is the provider um, and that the woman should be the one who, you know, stays at home. So I always, you know, say to my friends, like, try and flip it around the other way. And if you were married and you said to your in-laws or to your wife that you want to be a stay-at-home dad, how would that be perceived? Because I can imagine just in my family how that would be perceived. So Absolutely. knowing that, that's the perception. It just tells you straight away that the pressure, you know, from my point of view in terms of South Asian toxic masculinity is really prevalent because, um, you know, how, how many family relatives do you know men who are the ones who are cooking the Indian food and are raising the children more so or taking equal responsibility? It's very rare. Um, 
And I know, you know, growing up, I was really interested in cooking and fashion. Um, and those kind of things were really frowned upon in the family because, you know, men don't do that. Men, right, you know, right. go out and work and men yeah, play sports. And, said, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, that's not going to bring money home. So those are the things that growing up I've witnessed. And now when I sit back and reflect, it's almost like I will never allow my children to grow up in that environment. So, yeah, what, in terms of what you're saying and answering your question, I do think that it is really, really um, toxic in terms of that culture that we're around where... You know, you have aunties who are talking about everyone and there's things for them to talk about. And one of them is the fact that a man might not necessarily be, you know, projecting typical masculine ideals. So those kind of things are really detrimental to men because they are just following the path that they've been told to follow instead of following the path that they actually want to follow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just recently got married. And so me and my wife always kind of had these conversations in the sense that, you know, I think there's this projection that, oh, she should be the one to cook and clean and do all these things. She's always she's always had this leadership quality to her where she wants to go out, work, make a difference and change. And I'm like 100% all for it. I always joke yeah. around saying, hey, I'll be, I'll be the stay-at-home dad. Because the biggest thing for me is I love seeing potential in others, right? Yeah. And I just think that's the one thing, yeah, like growing up as a, as a South Asian is that you don't really see that as much. You don't really see that push in women as much. Um, I think it's definitely changed a little bit here in the U.S., and I guess that other question that this kind of leads into is, is the, is the toxic masculinity getting worse year by year? Or is it, are we starting to see a change in culture? I know you told me you're into like uh, D&I and stuff at work, so. Yeah, um, I definitely think that it's, um, it's really twofold because if you look at certain, um, so in certain aspects, we have come a long way because more people are more expressive about their sexuality. Um, more people are um, speaking out about male mental health. More people are, you know, kind of living their life the way they want to live it. But on the flip side, you have those generations where we've been raised who haven't been, they haven't been wiped out. Like they're still there and they're still, um, you know, dictating how we should live. So I do think that it's going in two ways. And I think it's really extreme. You have people who are really comfortable with their masculinity so they think that they are living their life the way they want to despite what other people say and they're defining their own masculinity themselves but then on the flip side you still have those people who are really resistant to change and and where the generations are still having an influence on them they are almost pushing it on the other side so i think we have come a long way um, and i think maybe my opinion might be a little bit flawed because i I've chosen to surround myself around people who are really open-minded and liberal, and I'm lucky to have friends and family who do think that way. But I think a lot of that, especially with family, has come from you teaching your own family. I think it gets to a point where you don't parent your parents, and uh, so your parents don't parent you anymore. You almost parent them. Um, right. So you're, like, teaching them, uh, you know, certain ways in which you think, and, and they adjust. But... You know, I'll sit there and listen to conversations with other family members or you watch something on TV and you're just shocked that that kind of stuff can be happening. Uh, I don't know if you're watching it, but I'm, I'm watching on Netflix, um, Indian Matchmaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We finished it yeah. on Monday. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've been watching that at the moment. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm so proud to be Indian in certain aspects because it teaches you a lot about culture, um, teaches you a lot about family and how important family is and I've taken a lot of that from my culture um, but then watching that has almost reminded me why sometimes I'm not so proud to be Indian because 
the pressure that they place on men to have to get married and have to provide in comparison to them, like, you know, potential mother-in-laws seeking daughter-in-laws who don't want to pursue a career and they want them to stay at home and they want them to follow what they want them to do is really, really toxic because that is kind of widening the gap between um, men feeling that they need to do a certain thing to be classified as a man in comparison to women. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been watching that at the moment and it's really been on my mind because as much as it's funny and it's hilarious and I'd recommend anyone to watch it, um, it's, it really does make you think that we still have a long way to go because we might not be in India right now, but so much of our family and our ancestors have come from there. So watching a program like that really makes, it really reinforces why it's wrong, but also reminds you that you almost kind of pity those people that think like that, but at the same time, it's just been taught from generation to generation. So, right. um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point you bring up and like it completely slipped my mind that that is actually kind of even related to this. And it's funny because the moms in the show, some of them, you know, are the ones who are saying, oh, no, we, we need to find a daughter that does this, this or this. But they, I kind of think I was like, well, 20 years ago when you were in that position, is that what you like really wanted? I'm sure you had like some fear or resentment, but yeah. we almost get so ingrained. I think there's almost so much brainwashing in our culture in that sense. Um, where the mother-in-laws now have to kind of go and seek that daughter-in-law that did the same as they did. Yeah. Um, yeah, we definitely need to break that culture. I know there's comments on Google and like people reaching out to the producers and stuff, um, talking about all this kind of stuff and saying, Hey, this is like not right. Um, but that's just what it is right now. And I agree with you in the sense that, yeah, we need to, we need to seek change at least in, in that, in that realm. A hundred percent is hilarious. So I'd recommend anyone to watch it. It's so yeah. funny. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny because some of my, uh, Relatives and friends actually know some of the people in the show, like from and, uh, oh, wow. and NYC and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, cool. So let's bring this back more to you now. So talking about obstacles, uh, what are the obstacles that you've had to overcome, uh, whether it's within your own family, your own friends, kind of the things that you had to go through um, and the way you kind of realize like, hey, this idea of toxic masculinity is real and it kind of happened to me. Yeah, um, I guess with obstacles, I would say it's probably less um, so with my friends just because you get to choose your friends. So you're okay. you know, able to be smart about, you know, who you're making friends with because you want them to reflect the certain values that you live by. Um, with friends, I'm sorry, with family, there's definitely been a lot of obstacles, less so with my parents, but more so with extended relatives because um, in the Indian community, you get a lot of whispers and he said, she said, and when you're living your life in a certain way and you're defining what it is to be a man for yourself, and other people within your family see that quite often and i've experienced this where they've gone back to my parents and said oh you know should bobby be doing this or should he be doing that and my parents luckily have had my back but that pressure that other people place on them has been really difficult and the obstacle has been actually me trying to convince my parents that what i'm doing is not wrong and the way i'm choosing to live my life is you know honestly and truthfully which a lot of men aren't actually doing um, and it's people like me and other men who are living their life the way they want to who are always under the spotlight because people find it easy to comment about them because they're going against the norm. So I'd say some of the obstacles were definitely um, people commenting on the way I am choosing to live my life. And at a certain point, I kind of stopped defending myself and just carried on living the way I was as long as my parents were you know understanding of it not necessarily accepting it but understood it then I've got no worries about what anyone else says um, with my friends it's nice because I'm able to 
have a relationship with them where they understand me and my friends, you know, think very similarly to me in terms of, um, you know, what masculinity means and, and how it's defined by the person. But I guess day to day, those obstacles will always be there because that generation isn't going anywhere. So I guess it's more so like I've tried to really educate them as much as possible, but you get tired because it's not your job to have to educate other people on um, why you're living the life the way you are. I mean, if I was, you know, out there murdering people, it's completely different, but I'm literally just doing, um, you know, what's right for me. Right. So, okay. Yeah. So it's interesting that I love how you said, like, you know, we're at a point where we need to parent our parents and kind of got me thinking that, at every stage of life, right, whether it's your teenage years, your college years, to now getting into like professional work, to when you're a parent, we deal with that relationship of manhood so differently at each stage. So I kind of want to break it down like stage by stage and see if you yeah. have any advice. So is there any <clears throat> advice you would have for like that middle school or high school student um, that's dealing with this or that is going to deal with something like this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was that I was that student uh, at school that felt a bit different to others because my interests lied, you know, were separate to what other people liked, um, what other men liked. And I would just say, like, advice is, and I really wish I had this advice back then, is like, screw what anyone else thinks and screw what any other people think because if they don't love you for who you are, then that really is a reflection of them and their inability to welcome other people from different walks of life who think differently to themselves. Uh, I guess it's really, really difficult when you're at that age because you're at an age where you want to make as many friends as possible. You want to be that popular, cool kid who everyone likes. Um, you want to be that guy who's really sporty and fulfills all those masculine ideals. Um, and I would always just say, stay true to yourself and you might not reap those benefits there and then but later on in life you'll thank yourself for sticking to what you know best because there's nothing harder than pretending to be someone else because you've always got that mask up and i did that so often and it really was detrimental to me later on in life when i had to learn a little bit later so if i don't know if anyone is listening who's in that age you know age bracket or anyone who does listen is just Keep going and trust yourself because as long as you're not hurting anyone else in the process, um, then you are entitled to do what you want and feel the way you want. And that's really important because people will make you feel like you are offending them and upsetting them and hurting them, but you're not. Because what it is is they can't process that you are different and that you are defining masculinity for yourself. So I would just say you know again just stay true to yourself and you will realize how beneficial that was later on down the line yeah i like that it's, it's, it's about the long term and i think when you're, yeah. when you're that age it's so tough to think about that but you're right because i for sure wasn't one who was living 100 percent life on my own standards until mm -hmm. now now i'm super comfortable with my own skin again you know everyone's gonna get hate in comments and stuff but yeah at this point it's like whatever like i'm happy with who i am enjoying it but if I, if I could go back, you know, 10, 15 years and do that, yeah. man, like, man, that would have helped out. So Life-changing. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so you go through your teenage years, now you're going off to college, university, things change, you're meeting a lot more people, um, a lot of things to balance, any type of advice there that you have for people? Yeah, so I think, so that's kind of the position that I'm in now where I graduated a few years ago, I'm working now, um, and I'm a lot more, I guess, independent and... Um, stable if you want to call it stable um but i would just say when you're in this position now when you're in your you know your early 20s or mid 20s 
you're a lot more you're a lot more aware of yourself you're a lot more self-aware so you've gone through years of pain of um you know adversity you've experienced certain things in your life where you're able to actually be rational and understand what's important and what isn't and i would just say to always compartmentalize like if being able to separate what someone else's issue and your own issue is really important because this is not your issue right now if people don't think you're man enough or that you're a man or you're not representing or, or um, you know, exhibiting masculine ideals. That is someone else's problem. I like to call it a you problem because that's something you need to deal with and not me. Um, and it's having that reminder every day because when you get to this age, you're either going to make the friends you make now will ideally, you know, depending on what happens, but ideally be friends for life. So they will love you for who you are. Your family will always love you. And anyone you meet moving forwards, if they don't agree with the way that you are as a person or the way you choose to live your life, you've gone through years of um, people not liking you. So it's really easy to kind of separate from that. So I would just say to, there's bigger things going on in the world for um, you to worry about. That, and this isn't one of them because you're not, again, hurting anyone in that process. So it's really about... Remi reminding yourself if you're not doing anything wrong then that really is someone else's problem and you're able to realize that as you go older because when you're younger people can place that it can be people can be a lot more emotionally manipulative in terms of okay. making you feel bad um for living your life in a certain way but when you get to this age you know what's right and what's wrong or you know i i, I should hope so um so yeah, right. it, it, it really is a yeah it really is a case of just um it really is a case of just living your life truthfully uh, and not worrying what other people think and i know that's easy to say but if you've gone through all of that at school it's a lot easier for you to actually commit to doing that when you get older Absolutely. Oh, I love it. So now moving on to that next phase of work, I think this is probably the place where I would feel like most men don't really think about it because we've been so yeah. programmed on TV and culture to be a boss. And there's that, you know, famous saying or whatever people say that if uh, we, we call men who are in like powerful positions, boss or leaders, but then we call women bitches, right? If they're in that mm -hmm. same uh, uh, power position. So what, what is something that you could tell men to really become more self-aware in the workplace with toxic masculinity i would say giving women a giving women a chance like the amount of articles where, that i have read and stories that i have read where female well naturally anyway you'll see that females very don't tend to take up um don't tend to be don't, don't tend to be in senior positions within businesses as much as men are and i think a lot of that sometimes comes down to the fact that women do feel intimidated by men because naturally toxic masculinity teaches men that they should be dominant so when you have men who are dominant in those positions within a business it's really difficult for women to actually progress in their careers because men are preventing them from doing that that's not to say all men are doing that but those toxic males are really misogynistic and are bringing women down which really one knocks their confidence and two elevates their position within the business so i would say as a man if you obviously you probably aren't always aware if you're displaying toxic masculine or toxic traits sorry um just be aware of people around you because everyone should have should be um, have the same opportunities that you have and just because you may shout the loudest and just because you may be dominant shouldn't mean that someone else male or female who doesn't express uh, you know express those characteristics should be at a in a worse position so i'm really fortunate to be honest because i have been i work in employee engagement so 
being in uh, those kind of environments, I think everyone is given almost equal opportunities to a certain degree. But at the same time, if you look at like the banking industry or anything that's really results driven, it tends to be that there are lots of toxic males there because that that incentive of having to be competitive and dominant drives those men. And so women tend to have a backseat, which isn't fair. So I would just say to any men who are in those situations or just any men who wherever you work just be aware and be mindful of the other people that are there and let them have access to the same opportunities without you kind of preventing them from having those because of the way you behave absolutely yeah no i agree with you and i think it also comes down to a culture of listening like actually listening to what women uh, might be saying or non-verbal body language but definitely try to pick up on those things and really try to form better relationships with the women in your workplace and really understand their goals their motives as well um so it's not only an I or we as a pack of wolves in mm -hmm. man culture, but yeah. including, as you said, other others as well. Cool. So now I think this might be the biggest one, but advice for parents, right? Whether they're newly or new parents, um, yeah. they have daughters or they have sons, right? Um, what, how can we change the culture for the next generation? Yeah. Uh, it's really funny you asked that because I was um, I was recording my um, podcast episode yesterday um, with one of my friends who is a mom. She has a son who's five years old. And um, I asked her that exact same question. So I've obviously done research uh, and tried to understand what people can do um, as parents. Um, but what she said was so refreshing. And the kind of advice that she gave parents on the podcast was that what she does with her son is encourage an environment where he isn't chastised or reprimanded for expressing his feelings or crying or being emotional. She said that the environment that they have at home is one where you're encouraged to be emotional and encouraged to own your feelings. And kind of taking what she said and, and you know, explaining it now, I would say when you have children, especially boys, those first few years are imperative um, in terms of how they will grow up. So the, the um, kind of experiences that they have growing up will determine how they think as they grow older. And I would say as parents is really just encouraging not just your daughters, but, you know, your sons as well to feel and, you know, to not tell them off for crying and to create an environment at home where you can speak about your problems. Because quite often you'll see that, at home, there isn't always an environment where, you know, boys can speak about their emotions to their parents because it just hasn't been instilled. And that isn't down, that isn't our responsibility as young boys when we're young to encourage that platform and that environment. That is the parents' responsibility to ensure that that environment is there so that those children can thrive. So always encouraging your, your sons and daughters, but more so your sons to own their feelings, to be honest with themselves, to speak up if they're feeling upset like with anything, whether it's, you know, something trivial or big, to encourage them to speak about it is going to transfer when they get older. Um, and stop using phrases like, oh, you're such a girl or man up, because those things stick. And I've, I've witnessed that. Um, those things do stick. And when you get older and you're crying, you almost have a, a, an inside voice that says, man up, like, why are you crying? And they use yeah. that in sports. They use that, um, you know, day to day. So those kind of things, it's a parent's duty. If you're going to bring kids into this world, you owe it to them to make sure that you are raising them to be, you know, healthy men uh, and women as well. Yeah, 100% agree. And if I may add too, um, I really think 
if the father, if the father can exemplify that and mm-hmm. be more emotional and vulnerable to his wife and to his kids and start that family culture, especially if there's a son, yeah. um, I think that's what's really going to show the sons, wow, like, if my dad, you know, growing up, if you see your father kind of doing that as a man, you're more likely to as well. And mm-hmm. like, I, lo- I love my dad for sure. I love my mom. And I remember growing up, though, I felt so scared to just cry or show emotion in front of my dad. Yeah. But with my mom, she was the one I kind of went to whenever I had an yeah. issue at school or if I wanted something. With my dad, it was a very just stoic relationship in the sense mm-hmm. that, oh, here, here are my good grades and that's kind of it. Or here, yeah. I did really good in this sport and that's it. So those very manly things like we're talking yeah. about. Um, and it would definitely be a different scenario in my life and probably be a different path in my life if my dad was a little bit more open um, mm-hmm. to me communicating. And that relationship is completely different now because I threw away those masks for the most part. Yeah. And I think my, my, my father has as well. And throughout time, we've kind of came together and discussed things that were never brought up in the past. And mm-hmm. I think more and more of those vulnerable conversations kind of just leads out to more love, more openness and happiness in the end. So Definitely. And I think one thing that I didn't actually think about when I was speaking to my friend yesterday was she was saying that, you know, I cry all the time in front of my son and he's probably looking at me thinking, well, if it's okay for mum to, then I should surely be able to do the same. So having that power as a parent to then put it back onto your kids and and encourage them to cry and say, you know, mum and dad cry, so you can as well. That kind of thing sticks with a kid, sticks with a boy. Um, and that will then allow them to be able to feel more as they grow up. But if you don't teach them that then, then they have that troublesome journey of growing up and learning it at a lot later age, which is more difficult for them because you're putting them just through more pain that they don't actually need to experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Yeah, it, it definitely comes out of that culture and just seeing and talking, saying this is why mommy's doing it, this is why daddy's doing it. And yeah. always just explain the why behind things, right? Like yeah. why I'm crying, why I'm doing this. And, yeah. and that's how these kids kind of grow up and learn saying, okay, it's a safe environment or it's a safe thing for me to do. Exactly. Awesome. awesome. Okay, so uh, talking about optimizing here and optimizing your day-to-day, is there anything that you do um, on a daily basis, morning routine, nightly routine, or just self-talk throughout the day to kind of you know, address this with yourself, this masculinity with yourself? Yeah, definitely. I think um, there's a few things. And I know it's, it's, it probably doesn't feel like it's related, but I always think that um, like reading and being active are the two things that I think keep me sane um, and also allow me to educate myself more on this. Because if we're talking about optimizing your life, well, you're always going to learn things in your life, um, good and bad, and they're lessons that you can, you know, take in and then reflect on and then, you know, put into whatever you're going to do next. But for me, reading um, as many articles, um, you know, as many kind of news articles and books that I can that relate to this topic for me um, helps me to, one, I guess, feel more credible when having those conversations, but two, also, um, you know, reaffirming to myself that, masculinity is defined by yourself and i think also having friends in terms of when we say about optimizing your life having friends that are refreshing um, and have a similar mindset to you really helps you optimize your life because you can have those conversations with them on a day-to-day basis and then you almost you know feel that you're not the only one that thinks that way other people do as well so I think having a circle of friends that think the way you do is optimizing on a, on a whole yeah. new level because 
friends are the family you choose right and I've always kind of lived by that and so the friends that I have um are I'm fortunate enough to be able to have those conversations with and not everyone has that so for me it really comes down to conversations with friends reading as much as possible and educating myself because the internet can be used for so many stupid things but you can also use it to educate yourself about really important things and then also um just staying active because that's just for anyone that's so good for your mental health right like you know actually being active and doing what you can to um stay positive you, when you do exercise it releases endorphins which makes you feel positive um yeah. i would be lying if i said that there aren't days where i wake up and you'll do something and then you question you question that so you question whether it would be deemed as okay around the people that you surround yourself with but then it's all about kind of reflecting on the experiences you've been through and yeah. everything you've gone through to get to where you are now and not letting those thoughts manifest and take over because it's taken years to get to where i am now where i feel really comfortable in my own skin but it takes people even longer than that so i don't ever want to kind of undo everything that i've worked for and the relationships i've lost and gained um to get to where i am yeah yeah and no, i completely agree i mean even for me it's about surrounding with knowledgeable people and surrounding myself with knowledge just so that you can every day learn new perspectives and mm-hmm. something might change tomorrow that we're talking about today and might open yeah. our eyes up and say oh wait like i didn't think about that or maybe i was wrong about this um but at least having that discussion internally with yourself every day when you wake up and not, and like you said not 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 every day is going to be great not every day do i want to wake up and go to the hospital and you know yeah. help and stay wise and stuff right so but going back slowing down and just having that nice little self conversation saying you know this is why i'm doing it and this is kind of that long term like we talked about um in terms of seeking knowledge and gaining knowledge so 100% love it um all right so you mentioned podcast briefly so my next question was uh do you have anything in the pipeline so i know you started a podcast and you just told the viewers about it Yeah so um I haven't been super creative with my podcast name is the exact same as my Instagram so it's also Bobby speaks and it really is just um a continuation of what I've been speaking about on my Instagram so I started my um platform at the beginning of June um I guess really to because I I I think I've reached a point where I feel comfortable enough to share my experiences and try and do whatever I can to help you know just one person you know I'm never going to be you know a global activist but I can do whatever I can to try and help even just a few people um so the podcast is simply covering the topics that I've briefly mentioned on Instagram but in further detail because there's only so much that you can really fit on Instagram and it's so difficult to convey a really deep and meaningful message that's actually listened to um so I started the podcast uh two week roughly about two weeks ago and it's been great i've had um today i had my like 200 play which is amazing oh, nice. um i've done just a trailer i my first episode was covering toxic masculinity um just because i thought why not it's really important i've been covering a lot on instagram um my every episode comes uh, an episode comes out every thursday so my next one is coming up tomorrow which is speaking about male suicide um okay. and i've interviewed um a friend as well who has uh, sadly gone through 
uh, and uh, you know a deeply moving experience with male suicide um yeah. but yeah the podcast is really i mean if you're interested in the topics that i've been speaking about on my instagram the podcast is just going into further detail so it's based a lot more on some reading and research that i've done just to make it more credible because you always get those people who are going to challenge you with um is that accurate or does that actually happen or is that correct um but yeah i've really been enjoying this whole podcast experience it's a bit weird sitting there and talking to yourself when recording um but it's it's really liberating because i the feedback i've had is absolutely amazing from you know friends but also from absolute strangers across the world who have sent me like paragraphs of how you know that first episode has really yeah. impacted them and that is that kind of reassures why i'm doing what i'm doing unbelievable man and hey global activist you are man and people are saying you get worldwide so don't sell yourself short you're doing work i like it uh, I, was, thank you. I have two friends that i'm gonna have to link you up with because they, they yeah. have a huge platform and they do mental health kind of stuff as well so this you know this episode that you're about to do and stuff is going to be crucial for what they do as well so i think I'll, i'm gonna have to link you guys up for sure oh definitely cool. thank you yeah absolutely all right so like the next thing up i did this in my last episode for the first time it's like quick fire i'll just ask some questions and you can take as long or short as you want to answer them okay. so the first question here is something that you're grateful for in the past week um definitely my friends and family okay nice um current book or podcast that you're loving so i'm currently reading norwegian wood um by haruki murakami um which is um a book about love really interesting uh, definitely recommend to read it awesome cool okay i'll have to check it out yeah i haven't heard that um biggest life lesson that you've learned so far on this journey that people will come and go um in your life but the ones that stay stay because they truly love you and they want to be a part of that journey the ones that don't simply can't find the resources internally to be able to help you or support you and that's not a reflection of you yeah true words true words um what is next where will bobby be in 5 to 10 years um you know hopefully rich <laughs> um but um no realistically i would say within the next 5 10 years a lot more established in my career um i hopefully want to move into um a bit more into diversity and inclusion and um people um and also hopefully grow my platform a lot more to try and help other people okay nice awesome and then last thing here is one thing you want to leave behind with the viewers um one thing i would leave behind is to embrace the pain that you've been through and always know that it's going to get better as you learn more about yourself Nice. Okay. I was going to say you leave behind your accent, man, cuz I'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, I hate it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh that was it for the quick fire. So if anybody has any questions, please, please go ahead, put them in the comments. Me and Bobby will get to them. Um and we'll answer whatever questions you guys might have. So I don't think there were any um asked to Al. It's so crazy to share these experiences. I agree with you Bobby and even more black brown men. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing empowering words. So let's see here. Any of you guys have questions, go ahead and throw them in. I know there's sometimes a lag. Oh, we've done such a great job. Or or we've done such a great job that we've answered everyone's questions that they would have. All right, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, in the meantime, can you tell people where to find you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So if you uh, want to check out my podcast, then it's available on all platforms. So it literally is just Bobby, B-O-B-B-Y and Space Speaks. And then my Instagram, exact same. So Bobby Speaks underscore. Um, I'm covering lots of topics, some of them which we've kind of touched on today. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a platform that's really been growing um, quite fast and I think organically, which is quite nice. Um, so if you do want to kind of look at any of those topics that affect men, but also affect women as well, then you know, check it out. Absolutely. All right. Any questions, anyone? I mean, we might, uh, we might not have any because we probably <laughs> honestly answered a lot of them. Um, we'll see here in a second or two. Hearts coming in. Hmm. All right. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think there are any going to be coming in. Um, okay. Again, Bobby, I just want to say thank you so much for coming in on here. Um, I know it took a little bit, but I'm so glad you did. This is this is definitely. And women, honestly, will enjoy. And as I said, this isn't only an episode for men. There's also an episode for women. We all, all women have a father or brother or son or a cousin or some man in their life that they can share this information with. Or please share this podcast out to someone that you think needs to hear it. Um, and again, you can find Bobby at Bobby Speaks. And then he also has his own podcast called Bobby Speaks. Um, so again, man, grateful to have you here. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. And, you know, for anyone listening or who has listened, thank you for, you know, taking the time to listen. It's a really important topic. And just to, I just want to end it on the fact that we're toxic masculinity and there's such a confusion that we're not bringing men down. We're just saying that masculinity can be toxic, but also that toxic masculinity not only affects men, it affects women on a day-to-day -day basis, whether that be in relationships or friendships. So everyone does have a duty to ensure that, they are doing everything they can to unpick this, uh, unlearn this, and just allow men to be true to themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I hope all you in the audience have your mind going in different places, because this opened up a new perspective for me as well. Um, and it's got me thinking about the conversations that I might have with other men in my life now. So, Absolutely. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Absolutely, man. We'll talk soon. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Optimize Your Life. If you have found this podcast to be helpful and adding value to your day-to-day, -day, then please consider giving it a five-star review. Until next time, stay optimizing.